The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, and welcome to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel. I'm the host for the podcast, and my husband, Steve Siegel, is the producer and co-founder. Today's episode is episode number 353. Just a reminder to please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you give us a five-star rating, then when people are looking for hope, or help with addiction, our podcast will come up and hopefully one of our stories will resonate with them and they will get the help that they need. Also, a reminder to please subscribe to our YouTube channel and also ring the bell so that you get notified when we put up a new video and give our videos a thumbs up. Once again, it means to Google that people like to watch our podcast and and therefore, people will find us because Google will put it up in front of people. So today's episode, as I said, is episode number 353. And we have an interview today with a couple. Um, We don't always do a couple. Usually we just have um, a single individual. But today we have Alex and Angela Gilmore. Now, Alex is 51. He graduated in the top five and got a college scholarship. He went to state in cross country and track and qualified for the national team his freshman year. He was a pre-med student for biomedical engineering, but he was busted with 52 hits of LSD. He lost his scholarship and started the slow spiral downward. He became a male entertainer. I'll get him to tell us more about that. He played semi-pro paintball. I didn't know there was professional paintball. Who knew? And then he started to use cocaine. He tried crack cocaine. He lost everything including his first marriage. He went to prison. He went to jail several times. And he was eating out of dumpsters. He started shooting up meth to get off cocaine. And he met his current wife and best friend. He got married. They got married in the middle of both of their addiction during a short sober run. And finally, they reached the end of it all. And they finally got clean and sober through God. Angela has had a career as a top saleswoman for a holiday in club vacations. And he now, Alex now co-owns two companies. They have a small ministry and they help drug addicts who are sent to them by referral or ones that they seek out to get into Christian-based recovery programs. They also go into women's prisons on Christmas and Mother's Day to hand out gifts and to minister. Without further ado, let's talk to Alex and Angela Gilmore. Alex and Uh Angela Gilmore, thank you for being on the podcast tonight. You're welcome. Thank Thank you you for having us. (laughs) I'm I'm excited to hear your story. So you, you just mentioned before we got on the air that your stories are kind of different. So Angela, I'm going to start with you. I believe in ladies first. So just tell us what your childhood was like, where you grew up, and how you eventually got into drugs. Okay. So I started dabbling in drugs at about 10 years old. Okay. And where were you? Where did you grow up? Where did you live? I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, my dad, my real dad is actually a master police officer uh, for Tarrant County Sheriff's Department. He's retired now. 
Uh, when I was 11 years old, I was adopted by my stepdad and he's amazing. They're both amazing. And um, I got into just started hanging out with the wrong crowd at about 10. I smoked weed. I started smuggling cigarettes, you know, and I got caught stealing when I was about 11 years old and just really started headed down like a really bad path. Um, we moved around a lot whenever I was younger. So it made it kind of hard to like make friends and fit in. I just got involved in the wrong crowd. Um, I got into the really hard drugs whenever I started going to Lake Worth uh, High School. Um, and so how old were you then? About 15. Okay. Wow. I got really strung out on methamphetamines at about 15 years old. Wow. So and young. Got, it was really wow. young. And yeah. had... My mom and my stepdad got a divorce and things kind of really went downhill then. Um, I started, uh, had my first baby at 17. I got clean for about two years and then I uh, got with my second baby daddy and he was on meth. And so I got strung back out on meth again. And from there, it was just not good. I got, first I was smoking methamphetamines. Um, I didn't finish high school because I got pregnant. So I dropped out in the 10th grade and um, I have three girls. Um, I did lose my kids for about seven years. My sister took them, which I will always and forever be so grateful for that. Um, she had them for about seven years during my addiction. And um, I smoked methamphetamine at first, but then I got um, to where I started um using it intravenously. I still have the scars on my arms from where I used to shoot up. Mm. Um, and I met him when I was like 26 mm. and we've been married for 15 years and we've been together for 17 years and we met out on the street. We have a really cool story. Um, I didn't believe in marriage because I'd never seen anything good as far as relationship wise. And I always knew and loved God but I never knew how to really have an intimate relationship with him and be in love with him. Mm. If that makes sense. It does. And when I met him and his family, his dad was a pastor of a church and his mom, just his family is just, they're amazing. His, his mom and dad recently passed away, mm. but they taught me how to really love Jesus. And uh, we did stay, I got clean. He he was facing 20 years of prison time. Did and you do, did you do any jail time? Andrew? No jail time. Okay. I have so many cool stories that God just kept looping right in and saving me. But um, I'll never forget this one day. And this is a really bad story. And it's so embarrassing. I wish I could take it back, but I can't. I still tell my kids to this day how sorry I am, but it's part of my story. Um, I actually used to make or cook methamphetamine. Mm. And back then it was called lithium dope. That's what it was. And so... Um, I was pregnant with my daughter, Crystal. Haley had gone to school that day and we lived in a trailer park. Mm -hmm. And um, I was trying to quit and get off the drugs because I knew I was about to have my baby and I wanted to get straight and I, God was really working on my heart. And so um, I told the guy that I was with at the time, which is Bruce, that's Crystal's dad, the one I was pregnant with. Hey, you know, I'm ready to stop this. You know, I want to want to get clean. We need to get this together. Well, he was breaking everything down in the house and he had an anhydrous tank that was holding that was in my closet. It was leaking. 
And I was like, Hey, you need to get this out of here. You know, this isn't cool. I'd been clean for probably about two weeks. I was really trying on my own and he just wouldn't give in. He just kept staying under the addiction and it was so hard. And, um, Alexis was about three or four at the time. And Haley was in school. I was pregnant and I was so aggravated at him. I was like, this house smells. We need to get it cleaned up. And, and he said, um, here, take this money and go get some cleaning supplies. And I said, okay. And so I started to walk out the door and my three-year-old daughter woke up out of a dead sleep. And she said, mom, mom, I want to go with you. Please take me to the store. And I said, no, Alexis, just stay here. It's just five minutes down the road. I'll be right back. Go back to sleep. No, mom. No, I want to come with you. Please let me go. And so I loaded her up in the car. And as soon as I turned the little corner down there, there were 11 cop cars that were lined up outside of my house. And had she not woke up at that very moment and asked to come with me, she would be forever gone. And that's how God always watched out for me. Wow. I'm just so thankful for that. Um, I did come back um, to drive past and they had like a six foot anhydrous tank propping open my front door. He ended up doing 10 years in prison. Wow. But the whole time of my drug addiction, I always talked to God and I always had a relationship with him. I just wasn't like aware of his full effects if I gave in to him fully. Yep. Um, and we actually have a ministry now. It's called Soldiers for God. It's just something really small. It's a Facebook page. Okay. Um, and we just like take phone calls late at night or we'll pray with people. We might have to take someone a meal or send somebody a little bit of money or help find them placement in rehab. Okay. Um, but God actually gave me that ministry in my drug addiction. Wow. And I used to read my Bible even through those times. Sometimes. The hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 866-989-4499 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. We appreciate you listening to the Addiction Podcast Point of No Return. We don't do this podcast because we are former addicts. We don't do this podcast because we have loved ones who have suffered from addiction. We do this podcast because we feel that addiction is one of the biggest problems facing the world today, and that no matter who you are, no matter your religion, no matter your income status, no matter your race, no matter anything about you, addiction affects you. This podcast is a free resource for anybody looking for help with addiction. If you would like to contribute to our podcast, please go to bit.ly slash fight drugs. That's HTTPS colon slash slash BIT dot LY slash fight drugs and make a donation of whatever amount you would like. Thank you for supporting us. And so he created a beautifully broken story. And then I met this 
beautiful man here. <laughs> well, well, Alex, your story is kind of interesting. I did read a bit of your bio um, before we started. Um, so tell tell me where you grew up, what your childhood was like, your history. So I'm, I'm 10 years older than she is. So we ended up going to the same high school, <clears throat> but uh, completely different circumstances. Um, I was a straight A student, um, got a scholarship um, running cross country and track. Uh, I think I graduated like fifth or fourth, fifth, sixth in my class at high school. And um, I, I was always a straight A student. I wanted to be a doctor since I was like 10 years old. And um, I wanted to go into biomedical research. That was always my dream, always my goal. And so um, in the cross country time, um, I started um, started hanging out, partying a little bit. And next thing you know, I started selling LSD and, um, you know, um, didn't come from a lot of money at that point in time. And, uh, you know, the even though they paying for school, they didn't pay for all the other stuff you wanted. And so I thought that'd be a great way to, you know, make some income. And, you know, of course, then a little prestige comes with it, at least you think it is at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, so I had my my best friend in high school uh, turned me into campus police and I with 52 hits of LSD mm -hmm. and um, I ended up losing my scholarship. Um, I was fixing to um, we just we just had a national meet for for cross country. Not long, not long before that. And, you know, that was my freshman year. I um, still had a 385 GPA, even though I was still dabbling. Um, you know, I had definitely had my future ahead of me for sure. Right. And, Were you doing uh, LSD in addition to selling it? Oh, of course. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We started going out and just doing a little partying, a little drinking. And, you know, before that, I, I didn't, I didn't drink. I didn't party much. I, I went and I ran, I went and did schoolwork and I, you know, and that was it. That was my life. And, um, you know, it's it's amazing the the things that can be, be placed in your life to bring you out of focus yep. really, really quickly. Especially and, you, you know. and, and Angela said your dad's a, a preacher. Yeah, actually. Okay. So my, my father is um, he, he was a pastor. He recently passed away. Um, but dad would have uh, been the sixth generation of minister in our family. Oh, OK. Um, yeah, I, I, ran, I ran pretty hard. I didn't I didn't make it all the way away. Um, <laughs> I ran pretty hard from God for a while, but yep. yeah, he brought me back for certain. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out, if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com. Or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate you listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. We don't do this podcast because we are former addicts. We don't do this podcast because we have loved ones who have suffered from addiction. We do this podcast because we feel that addiction is one of the biggest problems facing the world today, and that no matter who you are, no matter your religion, no matter your income status, no matter your race, no matter anything about you, addiction affects you. This podcast is a free resource for anybody looking for help with addiction. If you would like to contribute to our podcast, please go to bit.ly slash fight drugs. That's https colon 
slash slash B-I-T dot L-Y slash fight drugs and make a donation of whatever amount you would like. Thank you for supporting us. So you, so you got caught with the LSD and, and you lost your scholarship. Did you go to jail for that? Did you? So I did get arrested and then I was placed on 10 years deferred adjudicated probation. Okay. About the sixth year, um, I kind of started partying again, going out, going to the bars, drinking. You lost your scholarship. Well, I'd already lost that on the first time. <laughs> uh, and um, come find out, you know, a little, little two to cocaine will sober you up for the drive home, you know. And... Um, uh, a friend of mine, I won't, I won't, you, you, who you know, um, he and I started uh, dancing at a at a male strip club, and um, before you know it, now we're doing cocaine every weekend, and then it went to every you know couple times a week, and then every day, you know, and during that time frame, you're you're making so much money, you you don't realize you have a problem until it's too late, right? And um, we were doing the cocaine all the time and drinking constantly, you know, but working out and doing enough steroids, it, it, it didn't take an effect on your body like it would the average person, right. you know. And um, after that, I decided it was time to uh, to quit the, the dancing and retire and, um, and went to a party. There was a group called Pimpadelic and <laughs> my, my brother was his best friend was the lead singer and they showed us. They showed me how to rock up co cocaine and smoke it on a can. And that is when all hell broke loose. Oh. At life went downhill, straight down, no spiral. It was a straight drop. Wow. Um, I lost, I lost my, my family, you know, my wife then uh, of, of that time, my three kids, my job. I had a, a truck, a car, a motor, you know, every, everything was gone. Everything was wow. gone. Um, and I was out on the streets. Um, and on crack cocaine, I was in, you know, I started going to all the wrong sides of town and I was, you know, staying out there for weeks on end. Um, and it, it, it didn't matter. I was going to do what I needed to, to get that next high. Right. And that's where I started racking up the, the prison sentences. And um, the first time I went was like, I was like two and a half years. It got out. I was out for two months and, uh, caught another charge. It was and, like and, and how old were you then, Alex? I would have been 26, 27, somewhere okay. in there, wow. uh, park. And um, I got out. You know, it's one of those deals where you get out, you're healthy, you've put that weight back on, you got some muscles on you, and you're like, you get back out, and you're like, go back to your old little places, and you're like, you know, look at me, man. I'm looking all good. I'm all healthy again. Hey, what are y'all smoking? You know, and it's right back into the mix again. And, and you, you know, and you're just like that. You just yank back down into the pits of hell. Yeah. Um, I was strung out on crack for years, years and years, man. I, I got so many crazy tales. I, I, I was actually smoked crack, crack cocaine under a bridge through a tornado that came through Fort Worth. Wow. Almost pulled me out of underneath the, you know, had underneath my shirt smoking. Wow. And, not realizing, I was like, man, it's getting awful windy, oh. you know, having trouble keeping this lit. And next thing you know, it I was underneath the bridge and I was hanging on to, and you know, the stupidity of it is I was hanging on to a root with one hand and I had to crack cocaine in my other hand and I would not let go of that crack to hang on to anything else. And it, yeah. it survived it. And when it was done, I smoked the rest of it. Okay. 
That's the stupidity of it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's gross stuff, man. And then how did you two meet? I mean, how did that happen? So I came, I went back again on the second time. Um, I went to a friend of mine who was, I'd met a, a met, met a guy, a uh, gang member. And um, at the time, you know, it, what they represented seemed like it was something that, that you know, <clears throat> power, money, drugs, seemed like a good thing to get into. So I got hooked up with him. And I went out and I uh, did um, some crack again. And I got a little low disciplinary for it. And they were like, you know, he's like, bro, you're going to get yourself hurt doing this. You know, uh, just let me shoot you up one time with methamphetamine and you'll never touch crack cocaine again. And I was like, dude, I'm never going to shoot up nothing. Well, finally, after that happened, I was like, I was like, dude, here. Just do it, do it. Just, I don't, I don't want to do crack anymore. You know, I'd literally smoke that stuff and be in tears. You know, I just want to stop it. You know, I couldn't yeah. hate myself, hated my life, hated where it was going. And so he shot me up with methamphetamine and um, I never touched crack cocaine again after that. But for like the next six years, I was strung out on meth. Okay. And she had lived across the street from my brother's house um, way back in the day. And I fled from the cops because the uh, the um, ATF was looking for me, and uh, we'd gotten ourselves in all kinds of me and me and the you know my uh, my friend had gotten ourselves in a whole bunch of stuff. They were trying to press organized crime against us, um, all kind of felonies, wow. and um, was looking for. Us. So I fled across the street from her, and just through it through a mutual friend introduced her, and she'd come over to the little house that I was a little loft I was staying in and I saw her and I was like, I was like, uh, I'm going to marry that girl. I'm going <laughs> to marry that girl. And she, you know, and they were like, whatever, you know, and it, you know, of course I weighed, I don't know, maybe 145 pounds during the end. Zits all broken <laughs> out on my face. We both were pretty small. Pretty rough. Yeah. And, um, so then I just started hanging out around her and, um, we, uh, you know, I was doing everything I could to slide slide in between her and her current boyfriend. And, uh, you know, I'm like, we're just, this is like my little sister right here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> nope. So anyway, uh, things fell into position. And one day um, he left her and her kids stranded out on a balcony. And she was like, do you really mean all the things you said? It do, was a hotel. Do, do yeah. you really yeah. want me? Do you want these kids? Will you do your best to take care of us? And I said, absolutely, I will. Absolutely, I will. And um, I sent somebody to get him. And he was on the run from the U.S. Marshals facing 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. Not <laughs> yeah. But God said it made sense. Yeah. And I made the U.S. Marshals top 10 that year for good old Tarrant County. Oh, wow. And, uh, I was all over the news. Yeah, they were looking for me pretty heavy. But um, she and I started running together after that. And um um, and you were both you were both still using at that time. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we're both shooting up meth. Yeah. Well, actually, later on, I got her. I got her on the point. Yeah. Good old. Yeah, he's good old the one that got me shooting up. It's all his fault. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm saying I take full responsibility. But so we um, we stayed with my parents for a while after that, and my parents were those people that. They so loved God. Wait, that's you skipped a part. So, mm -hmm. so we went to 
we met. No, he was staying in a hotel. And then he was facing 20 years. This is an important part. Oh, yeah. And he didn't know. He, I was like, I don't care. I'm going to wait for you. I love you. I came to see him once a week. I put money on his books. And in my heart, we were struggling. Like, we would want to stay clean, but we just would we'd stay clean for a couple of days. But what happens when you're on that stuff is you get caught in a cycle. So at first, it's fun. <laughs> And then Not you get long. to a point where if there's 365 days in a year and you're sleeping every other day, well, in 365 days, you're losing all that sleep. Now, let's say you only sleep every three days, then it gets even worse. So your body becomes dependent on that drug to be able to continue to move forward, to get food, to get up and get money, to have a place to stay. Because now, because of the addiction, you basically dwindled yourself down to where you don't have good transportation. You don't have food. You don't have water. Um, you don't have drugs. You don't have cigarettes. You don't have anything that you need. So in order to stay awake, you have to continue to use the drug to be able to go out and get the things that you need to survive. So we were caught in a vicious cycle of self-destruction, but God knew our hearts and he knew he wanted out. We were almost there, but not quite yet. My granny, my whole family had basically, you know, they had washed their hands. They were still praying for me, but they realized they couldn't help anymore. Basically, all they could do is pray. And my granny called me and she loves the Lord so much. And she said, Angie, I don't know what y'all are doing over there, but God said with him, all things are possible and he's going to make it work. And we'd been sober for two weeks, two weeks at that time. Well, we were staying at this old apartment uh, that belonged to his uncle Don and his family uh, no electricity, none of that stuff. And we got out to go to the scrapyard one day after two weeks sober, and we got caught up by the U.S. Marshals. Yeah, they caught a family family. And they found <laughs> it. But I told him God was going to work it out, and God worked it out. Like, a bunch of the stuff, the evidence they had was, like, it was thrown out of court. He had one of the best lawyers, thank God for his dad, um, who's always, my mom too, like, they were some of our biggest like advocates. advocates during those times, never given up, always persistent, uh, just praying, praying, praying. And when everybody else is tired, he went to jail for a year and I got clean. I went to move with my mom. How'd you get clean, Angela? Did you go to rehab or did you just stop? I was just done. Okay. I was so sick and tired of living in the muck and mire of self-destruction. I'd been talking to God. I was ready. So I got a job. I bought a car and my brother let me move in with him. And we I had a place, a car that was fully paid for, only owed $400 on it. A good job when he got out. And old Alex said he was going to relapse on me. So <laughs> oh. this is before I started shooting up. And now who was taking care of your kids during all this time? My sister still had them. Okay. And, right. um, yep. She still had my kids. I was working towards trying to get them back. And um, he got out and he relapsed a couple times. He was struggling. And I fought him on it. You know, he would take off in the middle of the night. I wouldn't be able to find him. And there's a couple of times. But I was like, you know what? If I can't beat him, I'm going to join him. So let's go. So I did it. I'll never forget that day. My stomach was so sick. Mm -hmm. I knew that it was all over with again, everything that I worked so hard for. Um, and that was when I started shooting up dope instead. And like three years. Was and then we years? stayed strung out. That was 2008. We got married when he got out of jail, too. His dad married us. Okay. In his home, we got married from his dad in 2008, September 15th, and we stayed strung out until June 28th, 2012. Yeah. Okay. And that's when we got completely clean. And, and what changed? What made you guys change? I mean, one of the things we 
we always talk about on this podcast is kind of like, what was your point of no return where you knew so, either you were going to die or spend the yeah. rest of your life in jail or so, what have you? So because I have five felonies and tons of misdemeanors on my record. Okay. And um, I am confirmed gang member or, or, you know, so I'm confirmed with a gang affiliation. And so I pull up to pick up a rusty 55 gallon barrel drum. And I was scrap metal. And I was, we were, doing. We were scrapping by then. Stop not doing any more criminal stuff or, or at least very little. Trying not yeah. to. Yeah. And, and I was on the phone with the property management group and cops pulled up behind me and he said, uh, you know, where's the drugs? Where's the guns? You know, you know, uh, it was an abandoned building that was for sale. And I said to him, I'm on the phone with the property management people. He said, I need you to hang up. And so they ran my record and they gave her, which was only a ticket. It was a ticketable offense. Well, they charged me with a state jail felony, throw me in the in the car. Um, they take me to jail. My buddies bonded me out. And, you know, that's a, you know, for me. You get bonded out, baby. You set two weeks. And that two weeks. TJ that- and them, no, no, TJ and them bonded me out. Yeah, TJ and them bonded me out. And I came home and then I skipped. I was supposed to go to uh, the labor detail and I didn't do it. Oh, okay. So then they came looking for me. But again. you were in there for two weeks. Yeah, well, because I stayed with my mom during that time and did tree work with what's his name, the guy that we used to do it for around those warehouses. Oh, yeah. So at the end of the deal, finally, I ended up catching me again. And we were driving to go pick up scrap metal. And they pulled they pulled me over, saying I had a, you know, a, a warrant. They took me to jail. And in that jail, they said, hey, would you like to go do labor, you know, the um, labor detail for laundry? And I said, well, get me out early. Absolutely. Yes, I'm, I'm all in. And during that two weeks, um, I was doing laundry. I was waking up every morning at 4.30 a.m. I was going to work. I was working for eight, nine hours. And there, this one guy, I saw him reading the Bible next to me. And by that time, I'd gotten so, so sick and tired. I'm like, I'm too educated. I'm too intelligent to just be living in absolute squalor. And, and it wasn't long before that we had one of our daughters, second oldest, she said that she wasn't going to come spend the weekend with us anymore because of she no longer believed uh, in God because of mm. us. Because we had been telling her, you pray, you keep praying and we'll change. And when she wrote that letter, it was we were like, no, not going to be the reason that this little one doesn't believe in God. Right. And so it really set that and tired of it us fighting I wanted my kids back we, yeah. we wanted we wanted something better yeah and so i actually um they let me out um i didn't call her i didn't call anybody i walked from the jail to the house and and the entire time i was in conversation with god and i was like lord i'm i'm so weak right now and i'm and i'm so scared i, I don't want to be around anybody i just want you and me to talk right now and I need you to, sh- you know, I'm deaf, dumb, and blind. I need you to take me by the hand, and I need you to lead me out of this hole I'm in, please. And I was almost to the house, and one of our really good friends, his name's Danny McKenzie, he picked me up, and he was like, hey, bro, uh, I got some dope. I got a 16th of meth. You want to do a bump? And I was like, no, Danny, I don't. He's like, come on, man. Don't be playing, bro. You know you want to do a bump. You ain't had no dope in a couple of weeks. I'm like, no, I, I, Danny, I, I'm, I'm done. And he's like, well, you're just saying that now, but you'll change your mind. So he gives me a ride to the house and I see her and she comes over there and she's like, you know, what, you know, so what's, what's now? I said, I'm done. She goes, oh, I'm done too. 
So mm-hmm. I'll, let's be done together. Yep. Some we, you know, and when you're coming off the drugs, oh my God, we were arguing. Your emotions are so in an upheaval. Your brain's trying to find balance again, you know, sleep. And so we were constantly at each other and Danny come back again and he was like, bro, I got dope, man. Y'all, y'all just do some dope and y'all, all the fight will stop. And we're like, Danny, we can't stop, you know? And so, <laughs> you know, and so that day I remember he left. He was like, dude, he goes, you're going to force me to get clean, aren't you? And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, dude, you're one of my best friends. And if you're not going to do any dope anymore, I, I, I can't do any dope if we're going to hang out. Oh, wow. I said, I guess that means you're quitting, bro. Yep. And so um, we... I guess I went maybe three weeks. Oh, I had met a gentleman named uh, Steve and Steve worked for Sunt Construction on the seventh street bridge project. We met him when we were scrapping metal and he told him then he seen so much potential in him. He's like, why don't you get clean? Come talk to me. He said, why don't you have a job? And I said, well, I said, do you want me to tell you the truth? And he's like, yeah, I said, I shoot up too much dope and I got too many felonies. And he was like, well, that is definitely blunt. He said, what if somebody gave you a job? Would you quit? I said, are you offering me a job? And he's like, quit and find out. So I'd been clean. I wait. I stayed another two weeks, which meant I had it 30 days completely out of my system. I went, filled out an application. And he hired me. And wow. um, I, I worked on that project uh, clean. And then after that, I'd been, I guess, almost two years sober. And my brother was like, hey, because of man, you're really going to, you're really doing this, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. And so Sunt had finished that project. They moved back to Arizona and and the rest is, uh, as they say, is history. Now, okay. I did relapse one time after that. At about, about the, two and a half years yeah, in. About two years in, mm-hmm. roughly, I relapsed. And the sad part is I had probably $1,600 in my pocket. Mm-hmm. And I went and bought a 20 of dope, a package of needles. I went and shot it up. I'd been drinking a little beer at the time, you know. And, um, and I was like, you know, this is not what I want. And uh, I went back, bought one more 20. Did it. I called my brother and said, dude, I've, I've messed up and I need you to come get me. And of course he calls her and he's like, <laughs> don't freak out on him. him up, take him home. And, you know, I felt so sick. The dope itself, plus the feeling from after having done that, that after that, I, I, I've never touched it again. And we've been, you know, that's been, mm-hmm. yeah. It's been, a, it's been hard to get through that, but we have. And so what uh, was your, what was your clean and sober date then finally? Just, I mean, how long? I'm just curious. We we say June twenty eighth two thousand and twelve. Yeah, so okay. we've been clean for eleven years. That's that's amazing. I mean, that's mm-hmm. very well done, both of you. I mean, yeah. from everybody we've talked to, I don't have my own drug history, so I don't have a complete understanding of it personally. But I know it's not easy, and it's that's not. that's pretty that's pretty monumental that you've gone that long. Mm-hmm. And it's I feel almost- like, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like every day you wake up and you have a day that you're clean and sober, I would think it gets that much easier to do it than the next oh, day. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it does. It's yeah. like, I, we basically, you know, I ask God, it's a decision that you make. And, you know, it's like, I never thought I would be able to get over that. I would always want that drug, but that's not the case because right. when you cry out to God and he can see in your heart, how desperate you are that you want change and you're tired of living that way. Yeah when he really comes to the rescue yeah. and you have to keep making that choice to ask him, please, Lord, please remove this from my heart and from my mind. Help me to take this addiction out because we can't do it as human. We just can't without mm-hmm. him. There's no hope. 
Yeah. But he can come in and do exactly what we couldn't do, but we have to have his strength. So we didn't go to a rehab. Our re our rehabilitation was the love and the Holy Spirit of Christ. And that worked for you. And that's amazing. And like I say, very, very well done. And yeah. so now you have this ministry and tell us about that. Tell us what you guys are doing now to help others. So we have, it's basically not, we just, so I have a Facebook group. It's called Soldiers for God, not of God. I made it a little bit different because there's so many that have of God. Um, it probably has now about 713 members on there. And basically we, um, a few years back, we did get on there and tell our story. We had a friend of ours that actually works for me, which I want to thank God for my blessing of a job that I have because I don't have a high school diploma but when God opens up doors, he really opens up doors. So my husband is half partial owner of CDR Construction and Roofing now with his brother. And the company is starting to really come a long ways. I'm so proud of them. And um, God has made me really good at sales. And he gets all the credit for that. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's not a lot of money. But there's been times when I've made sixty to $75,000 a year with no high school diploma whatsoever. Yep. And I have worked for the same company for 11 years. It's holiday and club vacations. And I'm one of the top sales reps in the company. That's awesome. Yes. And I love what I do. I'm so thankful. We just recently had a furlough or a layoff with severance pay. And he again protected me and pushed me back into the company. So basically, I got three weeks paid time off and a brand new position with managers that I love that all love the Lord so much. Awesome. And it's it just became a blessing. But yeah, soldiers for God yeah. is it's, so basically with the with the 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 little ministry that, that we have, um we we were COVID kind of shut it down. We were going into the prisons yeah. to go see the women's prison and going to see them and sharing our story there. Yep. And and one thing that you don't see a lot of in in our realm is a couple that met in the drugs and came out together and are still together. Yeah, it's exactly. A very rare, it's a very rare bird. Yep. And so the women would see us and and they would be like, oh my God, it's Angela and little John Cena again. And, you know, and <laughs> that's, what they, you know, that's what they call me. But um, they would, so, if, you know, and it, they would see us and they'd see us every year and they're just like, man, y'all story is so cool. It really gives us hope. And now like other people will call us and be like, hey, I've got a nephew. You know, he's really strung out on heroin. I got a I got a cousin that's strung out on cocaine. I got a, another friend that's strung out on meth, and they'll they'll get you know send them to us, and we'll talk to them. And hey, you know, talk call me at night, call me whenever, but let's get you through this. And then we do everything that we can to try to get them. We have a number of different small ministries yeah. that we're able to okay. get them rehabilitations that we that are Christian based or God based. Okay, okay, and we can get them into those. Yeah, that's we, awesome. Um, it's uh, we haven't used Cindy Bishops out here in Azel yet, but we have that new connect. I'm not sure how that one works. We've used Victory uh, Temporal Outreach a couple of times. We have one really good success story with that. I'm so proud of him. And uh, we donate to people if we need to, to help for the rehabs. Um, we take 3 a.m. calls sometimes to pray with them. And if they think that they're going to relapse or they have that feeling, hey, I want to go do drugs. I tell them, don't do that. Call me on the phone instead, and we'll talk and we'll pray yeah. however long it takes, and we'll work through it. I think that's amazing. How do people contact you? Um, we have a Facebook page. It's just a little group. It's called Soldiers for God. Okay. 
Um, and they and can on that page, if someone needs to call you, they can call. You don't you. have my number on there, but um, probably should put yeah. that on there. I didn't think about well, that. I don't know about you want to put your phone. Number, yeah, they could definitely the reach out through you know Facebook Messenger. Or, okay. Or any means like that, but like most most of the time here, people reach us. You know, is through through word of mouth. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, this is this is fabulous. I I again I commend you on being clean and sober and taking care of your family and moving ahead and um, also just what you're doing to help other people. It's it's huge and it's so needed. And the fact that you have your own story makes it much more meaningful for people. I'm sure. So. Yeah. And thank you for sharing with us, because sure. as, as I've said many times, you know, sometimes uh, people don't want to share their story of addiction, and I get it. But when you do, when you share your story, it resonates with our listeners. And we never know who's going to listen to one of our stories, go to your Facebook page, reach out because they need help. We just, we don't know because they don't necessarily contact us, but yeah. we know it's valuable. We absolutely mm -hmm. know it's valuable, and it's why we do this. Mm -hmm. So, yep. one thing, one thing that I would add. Is that one of the things that's so hard for, for for drug addicts is, you know, and a lot of people, some people know, some people don't. You're you're, you know, whenever that you're introducing a synthetic drug into your your body, your brain starts producing those extra receptors in the brain. And then any natural production of norepinephrine, epinephrine, dope, dopamine, it all comes down. Hmm. And so anything that makes you feel good, your body no longer produces because of the abundance and it's overproduced the receptors in the brain. And then after you've removed those drugs, it takes roughly six months for that for that brain to start receding in the receptors hmm. and a complete year to make that change. And, you know, I would encourage anybody who is seeking to to stop, you know, make that one year marker your, your goal, because you have to force yourself to remember that you are struggling not just with your addictions, but your body. You're fighting your own body for supremacy. And, you know, as you reach those markers and get to that year mark, it gets easier. It does. It, does. it, it never good. stops. They but don't know easier. the things yep. that they're missing. I mean, I was 15 to 30 on drugs and there were so many things. When I got these teeth in my head, they're <laughs> a dentist. We scrapped metal at, on his building, <laughs> on the side of his building. We asked him for, and he's seen us and he does Christian poetry. We recited later on. He gave me all these implants for okay. cost. <laughs> I mean, there's so many stories. It's just like, it's crazy. But the main thing that I could say is just don't give up. It seems like it's hopeless, but you have to make that choice internally to be tired of living the life that you're living yep. and to ask God to remove the desire from your heart and mind. Every time you get that urge, you have to make a choice. You can either act on that thought or you can ask God to remove the desire from your heart and mind. You can mean it with, I don't care if you got to be in tears on your knees every day for hours at a day. If you make the choice to ask him to take it, then you're not making the choice to act on the thought. Yep. And that's how you do it. Get rid of it. Yeah. I think that, I think both of you just great advice and you're setting a good example. And once again, thank you so much for talking to us today. Oh, Absolutely. thank you thank for, you having, for us. having us. We love Absolutely. you all so much for Give us the opportunity to share our story. We appreciate the fact that you're sharing stories out there to help change people's lives. That's awesome yes. and amazing because there's so many people out there who need it. I know. So many That's why we keep doing it. We'll, we'll keep doing it. Thank yep. you. Just a quick outro to wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving. Hope that you have lots to be thankful for. 
And once again, if you need treatment, don't wait, do it now. If you have a loved one that needs to go into treatment, do it now. You'll be glad. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.